Welcome sentient beings from all known universes and beyond. It's time to activate your cranial downlinks and prepare to receive a raft of discussion on a cosmic ocean of science fiction and fantasy topics, interviews with local area genre devotees, and insightful prognostication by our soothsayers of science fiction, our forecasters of fantasy, and any other beings that happen to get caught in our gravity well. This is the Galactic Driftwood Podcast. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Galactic Driftwood Podcast. I'm Bill. I'm Linda. I'm Seth. And I'm Chris. And uh, just uh, four of us today, we've got a few folks out, uh, wedding plans and, and other types of activities. I guess uh, as uh, spring and summer are getting here, people are getting a little bit busier. And today was wait, just kind of a busy day. Wait, for most Char- folks. Charles is getting married? Uh, no. <laughs> I, I don't think I know we of. want to go revealing personal yes. like, details right. of people's personal Well, wait, that, that's why I said Charles. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, but anyway, we've got a, a good show. We got some very interesting topics to talk about today. We're going to talk about uh, the new Mortal Kombat movie that's out. Um, we want to talk about the Nevers, and I think hopefully today I'll pronounce that correctly for the whole show instead of the Nevers. Um, although now I'm sure I just, <laughs> just myself. <laughs> just, you gave yourself the yips. Yep. Yep. Uh, we're going to talk another about another problem that you had that you haven't had in a while that I'm not going to mention. <laughs> No, I did almost slip earlier, just uh, just in the pre-show conversation. Um, and then we're going to talk about Monster Hunter and uh, the Resident Alien series, which is out. But I think before we get to any of that, we might want to just start off talking about uh, Netflix and what's going on uh, there. So uh, some articles um, out uh, within the past few days um, that uh, Netflix uh, I'll just read you the title here. Netflix falls on slowing subscriber growth. And um, so essentially the streaming giant fell nearly 7.5% on Wednesday following the company's first quarter earnings report. Um, though Netflix beat earnings and revenue estimates, the large drop in subscribers put a crimp on the stock. So uh Yeah. Ooh, and so Linda just posted an article here from Forbes. Yeah, so this uh, this is looking a little uh, dicey for um, for Netflix. And my understanding is is that um, Netflix has been financing a lot of their new shows um, using debt instead of using like capital or whatever. And mostly that's because the interest rates on debt got reduced to zero. So I mean, why put your capital out there? Right. right. If yeah. you can borrow money at no cost. Um, but then, you know, if you start having issues where you start not meeting your subscriber base and your stock starts to fall, um, or if the um, uh, the economy um, starts to see a lot of inflation and then they start raising interest rates to kind of slow that down, then you got some issues, I think. Um, and I, Chris, I think you had some some comments on that that you wanted to yeah, I, I, I feel a part of that is a little bit overblown, especially when you talk about the subscriber rates. I, I think there's I think there's um, some valid 
viewpoints on Netflix uh, using uh, basically debt to to make the content that they're doing. They took advantage of a unique situation that they're probably not the only company that's doing right now. Right. Using, um, you know, leveraging uh, debts as opposed to taking out a capital or something like that. Uh, I guess a question that, that should be asked is what are they doing with the capital that they had? Um, right. Versus, you know, what they took the debt out for. I'd be curious to know that. Maybe they're doing some uh, platform updates or, or changes or something. But um, on the subscriber count specifically in that niche, I, I have concerns with was the benchmark, you know, where they missed, where they missed and they fell 7%, was that just a normal correction from, you know, the surges that occurred during the pandemic with every other subscription services out there, your, your Zooms, your uh, any sure. other meeting type service. I think, I think that whole sector should see a fall as everyone gets back out to do whatever it is they, they, they want to do uh, now that, you know, vaccinations are out there and we're kind of trying to move out of this uh, pandemic life we've been living in for over the past year and a half now. Um, so I, I, I view that as maybe a little bit of an overreaction. I think that I think the stock will ultimately be fine. I think Netflix is fine. Um, I just think that people had expectations that, you know, hey, they had like 20% growth in, in one quarter, you know, during a pandemic, and it should just continue. And that's not realistic. It's, it's just not long term, I would like to see what the rate was, you know, back in 2019, sure. what, what, what that would attract to based off that average versus what happened in 2020 going into well, 2021. Well, Chris, mm -hmm. ask and ye shall receive. Hey, uh -huh. Seth has the data. Because I was actually curious and I yes. was like, well, what, like, have their numbers, but I don't have the numbers for 2021. Yeah, and that, that's what I want to see. I want to see what 2021 did. And well, I, I guess this you... year is 2021. We wouldn't have those numbers yet. Uh, you're is, right. You're right. So, 2020. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, you can see that in 2020, they still added like 21.9%. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And yeah, you can see, you can tell that it was a uh, a steeper increase in 2020, probably mm -hmm. owing to the pandemic than it had been previously. Mm -hmm. right? right. So I, I would like to know what corrected or you know what the what the track was pre 2020. If you take that out of the picture and it falls seven percent, do they basically fall right in line to what their growth has been over the last ten years? Well, I mean, um, well we can see that on the graph right here. This is 20, yeah. 2001 through 2020. Mm -hmm. And my question is, like, did their subs like according to this, their subscribers didn't drop. The like so did yeah, they, no, just, they like miss the goal by <laughs> yeah, they, right. they missed their in 2021 their Q1 numbers or whatever saw saw a drop. Yeah. Um in, in subscriber increases. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. that might be I, I'd expect that like from people getting back out. Maybe. I, I expect it from people getting back out, and this chart can't go to infinity. There's only so many people that can subscribe. Exactly. Yes. As well, so at some point, it's gonna hit a top uh, yeah, of, it, of some sorts. It, it, it's in my mind, it's kind of like the you know how like a pyramid scheme or one of the <clears throat> these uh, dur uh, whatever you the avon or whatever oh, yeah. uh, you're supposed to recruit three people and those people are supposed to recruit three people and those people and like we've seen or the math has been done and like that cycle can only happen 14 times before you've got the entire population of the earth right, right. 
And like the same thing kind of applies here. There's only so many people who can actually subscribe to Netflix. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, the number is 200 million, not a billion or whatever. But I mean, like how do you suppose you at some point the whole earth subscribed? Yeah. Do you suppose at some point they'll I think there are some streaming companies that are trying to get aggressive with um, um, restricting account sharing. Yeah. And I wonder if companies like Netflix will start employing some of that. I, I feel like that was a, a, uh, uh, how do I want to say a, uh, a thing that they threw out there in the last couple of years, you had them saying like, Hey, you can only use two screens or four screens or five screens on this account um with your family and then they had some like youtube tv for example would track your location it would register basically like whatever state your ip address came out of and stuff like that right. uh, try and keep that kind of contained and, and you could obviously just use like a vpn or something like that to kind of work around that right. but uh i i feel like they they wanted they wanted to go that route and then they kind of backed off because um while while they while they can do that i i don't think uh I think we're get. They know they're getting to the point where, like I said, they're going to start topping off on how many more people are going to subscribe, and they just want to keep viewers because the more people that they can have talking about their shows, it kind of starts to fill the gap for people who haven't subscribed to Netflix yet. So they also want more people watching, right. um, regardless of whether they're using a friend's account or, or someone else's. Um, they want people talking about Netflix's shows, not right. not anyone else's. So right. there's there's like a give and take there. You, you got to find a balance. I suppose that's true. You're still sharing, by the way, Seth. I don't know if you mean to be. Oh, um, yeah. And um, I see um, uh, one of the um, financial analysis that um, they're talking to for this article said mm. that uh, he says this quarter was disappointing. There's no way around that. However, the guy and the guidance for uh, the second quarter being even more disappointing than the first quarter mm. is um, likely. But he also says, I want to remind everyone uh, that this has happened before many times, actually. The reality is forecasting Netflix on a quarterly basis has become increasingly more challenging as the su subscriber base has grown. So, well, I yeah. mean, and you're going to have, you're also like with so many, they used to be the only show in town. So, thank you like, for showing that. So, yeah, yeah that's interesting. I, I, I wanted to point out this so that this chart is perfect because the point I was going to make is understand that that while that news sounds bad for Netflix, they're still the king of streaming. Right. Mm -hmm. You're still right. so far ahead of everyone else in the industry. Mm -hmm. Everyone else is playing catch up. Right. These are uh, 2020 numbers. Yeah. See, I so, don't think Amazon Prime should be on there. You get that just for having Amazon Prime and you don't have Amazon Prime for the streaming. Yeah, it's no. it's almost it's almost like cheating. It is. But that was uh that was one of the things that um, uh, a friend of ours we were chatting with about this yesterday. Um, Zach, he's kind of mm -hmm. uh, you know watches a lot of this stuff, and <clears throat> he was saying that um, Netflix or uh, Amazon, sorry, he said is is really well positioned to weather any of these kinds of storms because most people are subscribing. Right to Amazon for the shipping stuff, not necessarily for the streaming. And um, <clears throat> so he said, they're a little bit more immune to swings in, you know, whether people are staying home more watching TV or 
you know, going out and doing stuff, people are, regardless, they're still going to be on Amazon buying things. And they're still going to want that, that rapid delivery. And they're probably still going to subscribe to prime. Um, if they, you know, they have the money to do that. So, um, so I, I yeah. would agree with Seth on that point, though, then like Amazon Prime should, shouldn't even be included on that list. It's 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 they're not huge in doing their own content. Yes, they do have their own uh, stuff that they put out there. But I mean, it's kind of like cheating. They're not, you're not paying yeah. really anything for it. Um, it's not like a dedicated side streaming service that they have. So right, right. I mean, when I go to buy movies, for example, I don't expand on my Amazon Prime library. I, I'm a voodoo, you know, long term voodoo user myself. Yeah. And that's kind of where I, I put my library. I don't think to put it on prime. I think of prime, I think, you know, I can stream some shows on there. I can, yeah. if, if I can only find it on there, I'll buy it. But otherwise, you know, I'm going to take my money to like voodoo for my overall movie library. So, you can I see thought... this. Well, this is, this is the forecast from 2019 to 2023, according to eMarketer. So, so yeah. They're, they're going to be down by like, 0.7%. But, you know, capitalism, you don't want to be down at all. <laughs> cry me uh, a big old fucking river. <laughs> we all had a bad year, and it ended up being a good year for Netflix. Yeah, so yeah. that 2021, yeah. or that 2020 number, I think, ended up being, in reality, much higher. So this was, this was a guess based off, looks like, July 2019. Right. Uh, and it went way higher than that. Right. Uh, that was a yeah, pre-pandemic so, chart so yeah mm -hmm. so this and this is what i mean about being realistic about you know what was the forecast before you you can't with the forecast i i feel like maybe it should only be done not on a quarterly basis but on on a yearly basis because a quarterly quarter like they mentioned in the article it's hard because it's not enough time you're not there's so mm -hmm. many variables that can happen whether it's a pandemic or chip shortages or whatever that impacts the market as a whole so there's no way to have a, uh, a, a macroscopic, microscopic view of, you know, long-term in the market. And, and uh, you know, people will look at something in such a short time window, they can't see the grand uh, scale of the growth or, you know, sure. the grand scale of uh, something sinking. You can have a really good quarter, but overall the last five years mm -hmm. it's been sinking, you know? Yeah. And I, so. I realize I'm not a businessman, so this might be bullshit for me but maybe don't measure the success of your business in the rich people at the top getting just a little bit less money this quarter. <laughs> <laughs> right right oh no the ship is sinking we're doomed seven percent less of our billions pack up the gold bars we're leaving the country yeah. You, you do understand how capitalism works right <laughs> i do i i'm just saying that it's a little bit bullshit. Yeah, it is a little bit. I I don't know. I I've uh, um in trying to learn a lot more about just the market in general in the past few months with with crypto going on and like the markets going nuts and then crashing the effect of the pandemic on everything. Uh, the the one thing that's just pretty interesting and and we can move kind of move on to this into uh, uh, something that you can watch on Prime and a couple other things we'll get into. Uh, talk about monster hunter a yeah. little bit uh but um you know a lot of wealthy people too when they see this they take the opportunity to buy more it's buying the dip sure you know netflix goes down they're like long term 
this is still going to go up another 20% in the next mm -hmm. five years or something. Right. Uh, so when it goes, you know, when it drops uh, because of a poor rating or concerns over their debts, which I, I, I get it, but I mean, I, I think people narrowing in on Netflix is like, well, if they're doing it, there's probably every other major company out there doing it as yeah. well, taking yeah. advantage of these low interest to, to zero interest debts. So um, kind of like that one time Warren Buff, Warren Buffett was on the news and they were talking to him about the share price of his uh, Berkshire Hathaway. And he said, yeah. oh yeah, it's way too expensive. I wouldn't be buying it now if it were me. <laughs> and the price right. fell and he bought like <clears throat> all yep. of the, m m as yep. many shares as he could. So yeah, once it goes down, it's like, well, now it's a steal. I'll just right. toss right. my money into there and do that. So, uh, but yeah, you have to change your mentality and not, not those aren't, op those aren't changes where you sell thinking you're going to lose all your money. That's, that's when you double down, you buy more. All right. So, All not right. financial advice. <laughs> well, we'll keep an eye on that. I think Netflix is going to be around for a while yet. So mm -hmm. I'm maintaining my subscription for sure. All right. Well, yeah, next, I've still got um, my, my subscription. It's not going anywhere anytime soon. Right. Next on oh. the Galactic Driftwood Business Hour. <laughs> yes, we're going to talk about Monster Hunter, I think. Let's just jump right into that. Now, I haven't seen that yet, but you have, Chris, right? Yeah, yeah. And I don't so, think Seth has seen it either, so... Yeah, Monster Hunter is, uh, and, and we'll, we'll dive into this a little bit more too, but um, you'll recognize, uh, I think her name is Mila. Mila Jovovich. Yeah, Mila uh, Jovovich. And uh, um, Monster Hunter is based off a video game. Uh, I have Google. played the game. Yeah. <laughs> Some of it anyway. Uh, yeah, it's based off a video game, and uh, histori historically... Uh, uh, video game movies don't do very well, but you know I can give this one uh, my thumbs up. It was it was pretty uh, original for given the world that they built, um, mm -hmm. and uh, I, I enjoyed it. If you, if you wanted kind of nonsense monster hunting, killing, and and uh, crazy weapons and uh, interesting <laughs> storyline, I guess um, it was a really good movie. I really enjoyed it. It kept me engaged pretty much through from the beginning to the end. Can you give us kind of a, a summary of what it's what it's about? I mean, we know it's yeah. About so uh, it's basically you know the the way it starts out is um, this uh, military uh, uh, crew, this group is is out uh, not really on an expedition. I, I think maybe initially they were doing like a search party thing, and this crazy storm comes through and sweeps them into another world, if you will. Okay. And this world uh, is not like theirs, obviously. It's not like Earth. And uh, they come to find out very quickly it is not friendly at all. There's crazy monsters that run around, uh, try and kill people. It, it, at first, it seems kind of like it's a, a, maybe a, a prehistoric or something like that. Um, and they come to find out that their weapons aren't really effective either. Mm. Um, so uh, they, they meet a, a native there, if you will. And... Uh, uh, from there, whoever survives, obviously, uh, Mila being one, uh, her main character. Is and... she the native they meet or is she? Uh, no, of... she's 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 one of the military okay. combatants that gets swept into the other world. Gotcha. So um, one of the natives that they meet uh, is Tony Ja. Um, he just goes by the hunter. Uh, but you probably recognize him from like, I think he did uh, the Bruce Lee movie a while, a few years back. Hmm. Um, yeah, his name sounds really familiar. Yeah, I think he was uh, like either Ong Bak or like uh, one of the original Bruce Lee like history uh, movies. But uh, um, they meet him and he's been living there for a while and he kind of tries to show uh, Mila the ropes 
Um, and uh, the movie kind of goes from there and trying to figure out how to get across this desert with a gigantic monster kind of protecting it, if you will. Every time you step on the sand, it gets you. It's almost like a charmer's moment, if you will. Okay. Uh, you know, they got to get to this kind of uh, island place out in the middle of nowhere. And yeah, there's a uh, jaw. And mm. so he trains her basically. And then they make their expedition across the desert and try to find a, a way to get back home. Basically. Was they have yeah. like a jawbone weapon? Yeah. There? Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so this is the whole thing about monster hunter and what I kind of wanted to talk about with my, not with what I know about monster hunter. I thought it would be, we can just, so the video game is like the whole gameplay is, you are a hunter in a village or a city and you go out and you have to kill these giant monsters mm -hmm. only to do so you always need better equipment so the gameplay loop is you go you hunt a monster you harvest like parts and then you make armor and better armor and better weapons from the monster parts so that you can kill bigger monsters mm, i yep. see and it's very skill based. Like you, this is something you actually have to be good at. And uh, there, so yeah, you'll see like here that sword is very obviously made out of a jaw or something. Right. And uh, interesting. A new one, Monster Hunter Rise, just came out on the Switch. I got that, but I haven't played it yet. Yeah. And so this so is now, kind of a that was kind of a picture that was up of uh, a couple of guys with, you know, some with um, familiar machine gun type weapons, but others with uh, hybrid type jaw weapons and fighting some sort of flying dragon creature. So, yeah, and there's, there's like mystical powers included in there, too, that you can uh, you can learn to use with those weapons and, and whatnot. So so I, that, I, uh, that native guy that uh mila ran into so was he originally from earth as well i don't think so okay so uh, it's possible so for people from other worlds to end up in the same place potentially they so the way the way that they they did the movie was they left a lot to mystery okay and so this is this is mila's foray into this um foray into this world and her adventure in it and then getting back home and then um if we're doing spoilers, uh, as we as, as she gets back home, the monsters actually come back to their world too, oh. um, and so it kind of sets up this this um, it, it's set up for multiple movies, I much see. like um, Mila's uh, Resident Evil series that she did was also based off a game. I was excited about this because I want to see them do a chain of these movies. I'd like to yeah. see a handful of them uh, over the next few years because I think they're probably cost effective to make and they're entertaining. And there's no end in what you can do with the the creatures that are available in the Monster Hunter game uh, and the characters potentially you can pull into uh, these movies. So I think there's there's already content there to work with, and you can write whatever you want for the script. It's gonna have to be great. Yeah. Look at Resident Evil. Yeah. Resident Evil proved that. Yeah. Resident Evil proved that as as many as they made. So I'm excited for another you know B C plus movie series from. Mm -hmm. For Monster Hunter, I really want to see it. So even though you know it's not a, it's not your blockbuster, you know, two hundred, three hundred million dollar movie or whatever. Yeah. It was still great. It was entertaining. I want to see a lot. Mila has a track record, a good one, doing these movies through Resident Evil, and they set it up to kind of maybe continue to do that. So I really hope they do. Yeah. So, so both, well, sorry, uh, both go ahead. Resident Evil and Monster Hunter are Capcom, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So Mila is just their go-to 
yeah uh lady for doing these movies Mm -hmm. so let me ask this so if you have these these monsters coming through this portal or whatever into our world and now they're battling these giant monsters is this um would these stories really be that much different from a typical godzilla king kong type of thing or even Um, even different from pacific rim where yeah i think i think they would be because those ones were like uh um those are titans fighting each other yeah those, those are more titan oh, okay. type movies these these creatures aren't all gigantic there's even uh uh there's a lot were they spiders like these crab like things um did you watch it seth no i haven't seen it okay yet. so it, there's um at night it gets crazy um in the in the other world where um where she's at initially there's these uh spiders things that come crawling out of the ground and so it reminds me a little bit about like uh, Riddick, um, mm. one of the Riddick movies, you had those things that came out at night. Yeah. Um, they, they followed a similar theme oh, with yeah. these spiders in, the, in Monster Hunter. I see. Uh, and it was actually kind of like terrifying. Like you're not really sure who's going to survive the movie. Yeah. Because uh, so... <laughs> hmm. it, it's pretty uh, pretty drastic there. Yeah. Uh, the monsters are more on the scale of houses. Okay. Like small house to... Like car to small house to large house size. Okay. So not skyscraper sized. Yeah, yeah not, not, not your titans, not your skyscraper size. Yeah, th- this yeah. is you you kill the dragon to get its femur to beat the bigger dragon to death with the femur <laughs> after you've sharpened it a bit. Gotcha. Pretty right. pretty much. So um it, it was entertaining. It was it was uh it was it was pretty good. Uh, and again, the, the, the way the movie ends uh, sets it up 100% for a sequel. Um, it's okay. not over yet. You know, we, we know this world exists now. Yeah. Um, the monsters have the ability to come back through that portal to you uh, mm. in your world, um, which is pretty hilarious when the, when the uh, uh, towards the latter part of the movie, when uh, the military gets their first look at them, they're like, what the crap is going on? <laughs> uh, I can see that. So, yeah, it was it was good though overall, and and the uh, um, she meets a team of other people that were native to that to that area. But again, they didn't elaborate too much, so I think there's a lot of lore, a lot of history that they can pull out through the movies, or not, right. you know, or right. just keep throwing in people and and here's the adventure of the week and mm-hmm. kind of go from there. All right. Yeah, I mean, every movie you could focus on a different huge monster that they have to. Eliminate. They have to work on work on beating. Yeah, and and I think I think that was the recipe that worked well for Resident Evil. Um, I mean, I wanted to bring up a, a few early on video game movies uh, that just went nowhere. You've got your Super Mario Brothers, your Double Dragons, Ooh. your Street Fighters. Oh, all Double of them that Dragon! Just kind of... <laughs> oh my! You remember God. that? Like I remember that the amulet that they. <laughs> Yeah, so it was them. These, these old like ninety early nineties movies. Um, it was like if if you released a, a movie based off a video game, they didn't have the the screen technology at the time. They didn't have any of the CG stuff or graphics. Sure. So they Apparently they didn't there, have. They had to. I enjoyed the originality of it. Right. They they have to use props for everything. Yes. Right. 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 Um, I, I, I've gone back over the last few years to watch some and they're well, hot garbage. I mean, a lot of them are really bad, but 
They they uh, also weren't like willing to. It's the same problem that comic book movies had then. Yes, that they weren't willing to really lean into the weirdness. Yep. So like there was no full commitment. Yeah. Instead of like giving Mario a flower that lets him shoot fire, and everyone's like, and Mario's just like, eat the those what? <laughs> yeah. Yep. <laughs> They give them, they give them flamethrowers, and it was like that wasn't satisfying. Whereas if you'd given him a fire flower, everyone would have been like, "Yeah, that's red." Yep, yep. they could have done a thing with shrooms in there. Uh, yeah. you know, they, they could have had fun with it. Like and so, I mean, my my point on this is, I hope that that at some point, seeing as how they're doing a better job these days, I think Resident Evil was kind of the first good attempt at in getting a reoccurring season. Like Capcom kind of figured it out. Um, I hope that other movie studios like Nintendo and 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 uh, some of these other larger video game ones uh, find a find the time to kind of give another go at it. It doesn't need to be a Marvel world. Yeah. It doesn't need to be um, a whole universe, DC universe, or anything like that. Chris, um, you 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 shut your mouth. I want Smash <laughs> Brothers the movie. I, I want a Nintendo connected universe. That ends in Smash Brothers. Well, and and I think you can do that, but I don't think I don't think you spend ten movies world building it. Uh, no, do that. Give us a give us a good Mario movie. Give us an excellent Legend of Zelda movie. Give me a Metroid movie. And link them all together. And link yeah. them all together. I yeah okay. You know what? I'll give you that. I, okay, other. you know what? The reality is, I would love to see that. I really would. Uh, and they could do the same thing maybe that, that Marvel did where there's one entity tying it all together in the end. There's an end credit scene and somebody alludes to something. And, you know, I, I think, I think that could be, I think that could be pretty interesting, but I, I, I guess I'm glad to see that a, a modern game released in the last few years has made to the screen again. And it was actually decent. It was good. And yeah. you know, obviously like Seth pointed out, you know, Mila's like Capcom's go-to. Uh, for video game movies, I, I think they should find more characters like that that, that enjoy that, more actors that, that are geeks and really love doing that kind of stuff, and, yeah. and drag them into these video games because there's so much to pull from, I think, aside from comic books. I, I feel like we're going to get burned out on comic book stuff. How many sure. more, you know, Marvel, whatever movies can we watch? Avengers, uh, DC's got their own issues. Let's just reboot things every two or three years. Uh, how about we give video games another run? And I think Monster Hunter could be the start of that. And I, I really I, hope it is. I think they could give the Resident Evil series another run. No. Have you seen any of uh, Resident Evil 7? Uh, no. Uh, well, hold on. What was the... They, they completely rebooted the look and feel of the Resident Evil series. Let really? Me, uh, Seven. Look at that. Hold on. And... Now, is that... That's a movie versus the Resident Evil series that's out? Yeah. So no, I'm talking about Resident Evil Seven, the game. The game. No, I didn't see that. So there, there's the long-standing Resident Evil yep. uh, game series, yep. which is kooky and corny, <clears throat> and utterly, completely fucking ridiculous. Yeah. Like if you played <laughs> any of like Resident Evil One through Six, it's complete and pure bonker sight. Uh, like it's Resident Evil, like starts off with the zombies in a house, and then you get to Resident Evil two and three, where it's zombies in the city, and you've got this 
evil corporation that does and makes zombies for reasons no one knows um, yeah. i'm sure someone knows i don't <laughs> uh, but resident evil and like they're all like third person uh third person sh- kind of survival horror yep. experiences resident evil 7 they uh like no oh, bring the image back up though mm. resident evil 7 they took it to first person and they brought it down a lot into a back to a lot smaller into a smaller location and really kind of just honed in on the horror aspect <laughs> so what are they are they eating brains there yeah yeah your character is stuck in this is basically this guy kind of you see with the uh, duct tape over his mouth i think yeah but yeah that you're a guy trying to save his wife who disappeared in this swamp and he fi- figures out what where she disappeared and goes to goes to the house and finds this crazy uh crazy crazy family that's uh infected by something because they are unkillable. There's horrible, horrible monstrosities all over their property. And it, it does Ugh. get a little Resident Evil bonker site towards the end, but it's a, almost a completely different feel from past games. Mm-hmm. So that would be and, interesting then if they do, like you mentioned, like a Resident Evil reboot based off of their new take on that kind of world. And then you've got Resident Evil The Village that's coming out soon, which has seemingly the entire internet horny for a nine-foot-tall vampire lady. <laughs> so is this, is that a movie or another game? It's another game. It's the okay. next game in the series. That's, it follows uh, this yeah, one directly. Yeah, hilarious. So. I just was trying to find it, and the first thing that came up was Resident Evil. So how, how do these uh, games uh, compare with this Resident Evil? Alien, uh, Resident Alien series. Well, I mean, they're two completely different yeah. things. Yeah. So, do we want to talk about Resident Alien, or we still want to keep going? Yeah, on we, we can move on from the thing. I, I just wanted to kind of uh, poke at some other video game yeah. movies out there, or whatever. So, Monster Hunter is one of those, and um, I hope that it's a long-running series. They they built it out to be, and it was good. It was, you know. Well, I mean, there was the original Mortal Kombat movie, which was bonkers and crazy and still kind of good. Like, it's one of the kind of good video game movies that came out of that era. Uh, yeah, yeah. And when they did the uh, the reboot for this Mortal, Mortal Kombat, because I think they even came out with a sequel on that one, and that was garbage. It was all, it all kind of just went downhill. Oh, yeah. Uh, that, that Mortal Kombat 2, the movie, was awful i mean i think they start the first 20 seconds and they kill uh johnny cage i think is it like yeah they killed the protagonist from the first movie yeah and like the first 20 30 seconds or something um yeah so there's um we should actually talk about that because that was another thing that came out just this week was mortal kombat another one based on video games and uh um i don't have too many great things to say about it (laughs) uh so my my issue with it was um the storyline was pretty weak and yeah and i felt monster hunter did a better job in this case of, of something that was kind of together if you wanted to see a bunch of guys just kind of beat each other to death you wanted all the gore 
um, you wanted some flashy moves or whatever, then this is kind of the movie for you. It's mm -hmm. I mean, six out of That's... 10 on the story, 10 out of 10 on the, the fighting. And they did a good job on the graphics. It wasn't cheaply made. It was not. It was, and I'd, it was yeah, I'd, made well. I'd that say a, a 20 out of 10 on the gore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There was, yeah. there was one part where one of the, uh, the baddies uh, kind of gets, uh, it's a, I, I don't know what her name was, but she had the bat wings and uh, one of the mm. heroes jumps on her back and, and drives her down into a, yeah, spinning buzzsaw sort of thing that just alert. slices her right down the middle. Yep, um, that was gross. I've got that a friend or two that I want to show that scene like to how, that are squeamish. How, how does the like? I haven't seen this yet. I, yeah, I, I haven't Oops. had a chance to watch it. But uh, so, Chris, how does the violence level on this compare to the latest Mortal Kombat game? So I haven't played the latest Mortal Kombat game, but from what I've read on it. It was pretty. It was pretty gory. This this one matches up to it. It leaves nothing on the table. Right. Nothing. It's pretty horrific. So for people who watched maybe the original Mortal Kombat and liked it for the storyline for whatever it is, you know, like a Liu Kang origin story, um, this is is none of that. This 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 makes you know Raiden look like a worthless protector of Earth um and ultimately uh he's done nothing while um uh what's his face shall i forget the sorcerer's name um he's been spending he he spends every waking moment trying to destroy earth and he's the only one really doing anything about it even if he's cheating and raiden just sits around and at the last possible minute is like oh, i guess we should get some warriors together to protect the right. earth and train them uh, meanwhile, it's already kind of too late. Everything's already been kind of set in motion. So um, this had some of the sweetest Mortal Kombat. Uh, they, they took every little niche thing that you'd want to see out of Mortal Kombat, any of the games, special moves, finishes, all that kind of stuff, and they put it in the movie. That, that's what this movie was about. Yeah, see, mm -hmm. I don't, like, if you have ever followed any of the Mortal Kombat storyline, mm -hmm. I'm going to say it again, it's 100% bunker site just like they mined it they refined it and they pressed it into discs and uh -huh. like when when you're i don't know how i would write a story to justify a like 20 fighting tournaments of the same characters murdering each other uh-huh i i but, don't know so for me the storyline for the original Mortal Kombat movie that came out, that went out and back in early nineties or whatever was honestly fine. It, it kind of was coherent and made sense. And it led up to why that, that tournament for uh, uh, the world's existence made sense. Um, this one really didn't do any of that. Um, it seemed kind of formulaic to me. Yeah, it, it was kind of, it was, it was forced <laughs> to a degree. Yeah. Um, and the movie kind of hit the ground running. Things were already happening um uh by the time it kind of gets going so well i mean like i think you hit it on the head though this was a lot more about the spectacle than the story yes right which it was is kind of what the games are there you don't really play mortal Kombat to learn the deep lore about yeah. the guy who has a buzzsaw for a hat <laughs> right yeah and, and in true fashion, at the end of this, they left room for more. It was a, uh, a hint towards uh, 
you know, um, Johnny Cage kind of a yeah Johnny Cage at the end there. Uh, the main guy is uh, so there's Liu Kang on the left. The story's not about him at all, like the original Mortal Kombat. And then his cousin to the right um, is like a, a different descendant who can also he can use lightning uh, powers and everything like that. He's got the hat, but uh, I forget his name. He's got the hat he can take off and and throw and and slice through things or whatever. Uh, he's actually the guy that that split the other baddie in half that uh, Bill was just talking about. He's 100% lost a finger on that hat at some point. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Um, and uh, yeah, so this one was more of a Descendant of Scorpion uh, story. Um, and, and Scorpion kind of gets, um, this is more of, a, I guess, an origin of Scorpion. Uh, is, is kind of revealed in the end. You kind of know who the character is, but I, I thought maybe the main character they cast in the movie uh, the descendant of this guy who gets killed in the beginning, I thought maybe he was going to be Scorpion or something like that. And, and right. that this was his origin story. And uh, it turns out he's just a descendant. So at the end of the movie, he's got to go to Hollywood to go <laughs> uh, find the next fighter. Um, Johnny Cage, right? Right. Yeah. So. Uh, All right. Yeah. So real important. Did the movie, did this Mortal Kombat movie have a really kick-ass theme no is it no no i was really disappointed in that there was one moment where they had a hint of one of the older themes and it went on for like six seconds and then it was kind of gone <laughs> uh they should have just taken that and remixed it some like yeah they could have just reused it honestly and that... remixed it and and called it good no they didn't um this I... This Sorry. movie, uh, they focused so much on the action and, I mean, the production quality, it was good. I, I can't discount mm -hmm. that. It was actually visually great and stunning for a Mortal Kombat movie, and it was very well choreographed, down to the special moves to, you know, uh, Sub-Zero slicing someone's arm and blood coming out, and he reaches for the blood, freezes it, and then hits the guy with it. You know, <laughs> it was some pretty, pretty sweet stuff. It was gory. Uh, and then they kind of just left out some things that they could have spent some uh, additional attention to, but it wasn't about any of that. How do you practice a move like that? Because like you've got to cut someone's off arm off every time you want to try off that try out that move, and you've got to figure you don't get it right on the first try. Like the first time <laughs> you cut somebody's arm off, and they they you like yeah. completely miss the blood, and you're just mm -hmm. like, oh well, they're still alive and screaming. I gotta. And then the second time you like get your hand through the blood, but you didn't get it cold enough. So you've just got this blood slush <laughs> that you then just splat into their chest. Oops. And you're like, well, this still needs work. Well, guy. Or what if you, what if you slash a guy that's got low blood pressure and it just doesn't squirt out. <laughs> it just sort of dribbles. Yeah, and I he, he's just like standing there. He's like, you, you made this harder than it had to be. And you cut the arm <laughs> off. Yeah. Nope. The nice thing is most people have two arms, so you could always try again on the other side. There you go. Every person is two tries. That's right. <laughs> yeah. So you just, you freeze the mistake and then you start over with the other arm. Here, here, here. Hold, hold on. I got that. I got, okay. Okay. You're fine now. Uh, yeah. Other arm. Wait. <laughs> so Bill, you, you and Linda watched it, right? Did, yeah. How did you guys feel about it? I, I thought it was kind of formulaic. I mean, it, it was just uh you know, it was fighting for the sake of fighting, uh, really. There wasn't much um, mm -hmm. compelling story behind it. It's yeah. just, you know, yeah, 
you've got the whole Mortal Kombat series just like right, right there. You've yeah, it's just, uh, yeah, it's just, you know, uh, it's building up towards this uh, final uh, combat session. Mm -hmm. And in the meantime, leading up to that, there's all these uh, combat sessions where they're trying to kill the people before the combat session. Uh, I know. Basically <laughs> just like one long, you know, uh, melee, melee experience where people are just killing each other. So, it, you know, if you like that sort of thing and you want to see, you know, some fancy moves and mm -hmm. fancy ways of taking people out or horrific ways of taking people out, it's great. If you're looking for some deep story and engagement, don't, you know. This yeah, has an Yeah, I mean, to yeah. a certain extent, couldn't you say the same thing about uh, Godzilla versus Kong? Yes. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, you're not yeah, here for the deep lore. You're here to see the monkey punch the lizard. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose, but I think there was more investment in the story there. There yeah. was a little more, yeah. yeah there was, there I can see that. Like, there just wasn't much dialogue, compelling dialogue in this. It was just mostly like, you know, all right, you know. Bring it! I will. I will destroy your family. I will kill all yeah. your relatives. I, I will take out your dog. You know, <laughs> kind of a thing. Well, and so, in the the <laughs> original, like I was talking about this a second ago. The original Mortal Kombat movie had has a theme to it that I have been listening to for full on twenty years because it rules. Right. So like, it would have been very compelling for you to have I, that theme. Yeah, I have, I have that. I have it on. I always have it on my phone. Ah. Whenever I see my cats fighting, I start it up. <laughs> Mortal, Mortal Kombat. Yeah, there was there was none of that. There was there was a hint of. I want to say there's a hint of it, like seventy percent of the way through the movie, because I, I heard a glimpse of it, and I was like, "Oh, are they going to do it?" And then and then they didn't. That's a huge. There's just kind of a fizzle. Like if I had had any role in this movie, I would have ground production to a halt until they made that the main theme of. Yeah, the movie. and and I feel I don't I don't know if that's going to be a recurring thing that we see. We we touched on this a little bit, and we won't go into this rabbit hole. But I mean, Justice League, and 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 the Zack Snyder thing, and stripping that kind of stuff out was kind of like, what are you doing? Like this right. is this 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 is like uh, you know to signal to all fans everywhere you know what this is and everything and you're just going to leave it out and uh yeah they did that with mortal Kombat. So. i mean music is so important to any movie it is and yeah. when a movie like when a movie like drops the ball on its music and just like goes for generic uh generic epic music or something without a clear defined theme okay. that you can tie to the movie and its feelings yeah it i mean suffers for it like, yeah people people have uh, there's a lot of iconic movies out there that people can hum the tunes to, you know, or, or they hear it and they, they know exactly what it is. Yeah. When what? walking away from Mortal Kombat, I have none of that. I couldn't tell you listening to uh, a soundtrack of it, what, what movie it was. And that that's rare for me personally. It's something I, I cue a lot of movies off of. I can tell from like a two second soundbite, what movie something came from. Yeah. What would, what would uh, like Independence Day, like, you know, like that music that yeah. was playing when the president was giving his speech. Right. That mm -hmm. awesome, like, theme that was just, like, makes you feel like you can do anything. Right. What would Star Wars be without John Williams? Yeah. The John Williams score for that. The, 
the Imperial March. Like, what if that was just a forgettable, like, background music? Kind of yeah. scary. I mean, even in even in uh, Star Trek, if you look at the Star Trek, the J.J. Abrams movies, you know, yeah, that, uh, that even those brought, brought back the compelling original oh. uh, score of the original series at, at points throughout. So, well, um, even the even the the movies, like the yeah. first movies. Like mm-hmm. I've still got some of that Star Trek music playing in my head from the themes that they would play right. when they're doing the big pans of yeah. the Enterprise, Enterprise. like mm-hmm. or and and nothing nothing is quite as uh, exciting to me as when you see those Klingon ships and that Klingon music starts, you know. You already know they they could just yeah. they could just pan to space and you haven't seen what's coming yet. Right, and just hear that music. That's like music that you need to make part of your franchise. Like, right, and, and, and a, here's the thing: I I think that that may not have happened because of the lack of effort even put into the story you know where the focus was at and 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 i feel like when you get those themes you actually have the story the theme there's some underlying character or 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 species race or whatever that's tied to that some some monumental thing and mortal Kombat had zero opportunity for that because yeah. it was just chaos it seems to me like these a lot of these franchises like this could benefit from a guiding person like you know the mcu did with Mm -hmm. guiding their franchise their whole universe's development where this person is like the go-to person final say yeah you will have this music in there this is how we're going to do this This is we're going to how we're going to tie it into the video games and the movies and maybe a a tv series or whatever and just kind of coordinate the whole thing and i think you know um See, uh, uh, franchises that don't do that do that do that to their own detriment because yeah. like you know like seth and you that are f- that familiar with the mortal Kombat games found it not quite as fulfilling watching the movie because that that music wasn't in there right so mm-hmm. yeah yeah uh, i think more shows can, more shows would benefit from that music can make or break your movie <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. That's very true. I mean, who can forget the soundtrack to Attack of the Killer Tomatoes? I I don't remember. <laughs> what? Attack of the either. Killer Tomatoes. <laughs> All right. So we were. Do, like, do we want to move on to Resident Alien? Yes. Yeah, yes. Let's should. do that. So I haven't I, seen that I yet. I just found an article you have. Yeah. that makes me very happy. What's that? Resident Alien renewed for second season on Sci-Fi. Mm. So, oh, is that uh, who I think it is? Yeah, yes. that's what. That's what Tudyk. I've been telling you. That's Alan Tudyk. Yes. All right. Who is amazing? So he is an alien. Yeah. I'm just based on the fact that he looks like a human in this picture, but then in the reflection of his uh, face in the vehicle window he's standing next to it's obviously alien so all right so alan Tudyk uh or his character uh crash lands on earth and he like he's got to recover his ship recover his device whose purpose i won't tell you now okay and uh but in his like first moments there he uh he like he's like got to 
assume a disguise. So in the first like house he comes across, he kills the guy he finds there and <laughs> tosses him in the lake and like assumes his form. Uh, so he's not a peaceful alien. Uh, uh, can't tell you. Uh, <laughs> okay. I actually appreciate not having the spoilers on this too, though. So yeah. But well, I know none of you have seen this, and there are some no. things that I don't want to spoil, but I also really want to sell you this <laughs> because so it's really good. The acting's good, the oh story's Alan, good. Like Alan Tudyk is so good in this because he like he assumes the form of a human, but he doesn't have the memories of this guy, uh. and he doesn't know how to act like a human. Okay. So the first like his whole first time on Earth, or his, like, the, before he encounter, like, when he, the very first we meet him, the town sheriff, who is super weird and I love him, uh, <laughs> comes in and says, uh, we need your help. There's been a murder in town. And at this point, Alan Tudyk's character has had no experience in interacting with other humans. And like that is basically what makes the whole show fantastic is because Alan or he plays this character as an alien so <laughs> good it's just like all his mannerisms are off slightly all his movement is just a little bit weird and like he doesn't quite know how to drive this body but he knows how to speak english yeah, he knows how to speak English okay. because he he learned how to speak English through watching uh, Law and Order. <laughs> yes. Oh my God. <laughs> oh, that's funny. And this is on uh, Paramount Plus. Yeah, I think yeah. Uh, my cousin said sci-fi that, uh, for sure. Yeah, well, Paramount apparently has the sci-fi stuff. Oh, nice. But yes, so like uh, to everyone else, he appears human. Except to one eight-year-old kid. Oh God! Oh, <laughs> who who has the rare, uh, the rare genetic ability to see through his disguise? And the very first time he sees him on the street, the kid freaks out. <laughs> and okay, explain this one. <laughs> oh, that's just the opening shot. Okay, so as since he's he becomes like the murder that he got into brought brought in to come solve is the town doctor because the guy he killed is a doctor and now he's the only doctor this small colorado town has so he has to like maintain his cover he has to be the doctor for this town oh god and he's like on my home planet i was a scientist all i must do is Google whatever it is instant doctoring. <laughs> that's, These that's people how it are all so stupid. But uh, yeah, so but to maintain his cover, he now also has to find, in addition to having to find his ship and his device, he also has to find that body that he put into the lake before somebody else finds it. I love it. Nice. Yeah, there are so like the storytelling on this is so good because they they like keep putting pressure on him and he does not deal well with all this pressure all the time. So and like so since the kid sees sees through him, 
and he's now the town doctor. Like the, it sets up this. Okay, here you see him kind of working together, but for like the first half of the series, they are bitter enemies. Just <laughs> like this alien, this alien, and this kid, and the kid is kind of brilliant. So they spend the first half of the series just like thwarting each other in small <laughs> petty ways, and it's so much fun. That's hilarious. <laughs> I gotta watch this. And yeah, well, again, we got we have Paramount Plus, so we'll check, definitely check it out. You sold me. And once again, Alan Tudyk is so good. Like his nice. his body and space work are amazing in this. All right. Well, we will certainly check it out. <clears throat> um, well, we should talk about the the Nevers. So, has who's seen that besides Linda and I have seen it? I've seen the first episode. Okay, the first couple. Yep. Yeah, we've seen the first two. So two episodes are out so far, and I, I really like it. Uh, it's a very good story. Uh, yeah, very, very steampunk. Very, uh, yeah, very uh, steampunk aesthetic um, yep. is uh, is seen throughout this. I love that little car. So there's uh, one scene um, where um, the uh, uh, heroes of the, uh, the series are trying to escape some bad guys in a carriage. So it takes place uh, 1896, late 1800s. And um, they're escaping in a, a horse-drawn carriage and the bad guys are chasing after them and the bad guys are gaining on them. They're chasing them on horseback, you know, and, and um, <clears throat> they get close enough where one guy jumps onto the carriage and grabs at the uh the guy driving the the carriage and pulls off his his cape and his his hood or whatever and you can see it's just like a robotic man yeah, it's that's, not a guy at all it's not a guy at all it's like this <laughs> it's not even really automaton. a robot it's just like a frame of a yeah, guy right yeah. right and meanwhile inside the carriage uh there's uh three uh three women in there so uh the uh the two heroines that um kind of run this um special Orphan orphanage thing, i guess orphanage thing, yeah. yeah orphanage for these women that are what they call touched um and i'll explain or that in a little bit afflicted if you're being rude right we're <laughs> afflicted and um and then uh, one of the uh, a new girl that they've just uh, uh just encountered who is um they realize one of the touched um and so they're they're basically rescuing her and so they're in this uh carriage and they they decide that they need to escape and and uh so they uh mentioned to the the one lady there that they need to uh, activate this escape vehicle or whatever and and she says well it's just a prototype but anyway uh yeah linda's brought up a picture there so suddenly uh, these as these horsemen are just attacking the carriage you see out of the back of the carriage shoots this very steampunk vehicle it's like um uh you know a, a battery powered type of uh, uh tricycle really uh it's a kind of if you imagine a tadpole tricycle with the two wheels up front and the the driving wheel in the rear and they're kind of sitting in this open carriage i mean there's no roof or um bonnet over the top of it they're just sitting in this open carriage and it's got some sort of a fantastical steampunk type um control uh, driving motor yeah, yeah she's got handles where she 
you know, steers it with these handles, but then the front of it has this brass kind of a thing that generates, appears to be generating the electrical power to drive the vehicle. And it just shoots out of the back and, and they use that to escape in. So uh, the guys chasing were like, the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> what was that? And uh, so, yeah, it's really cool. So they're, so they run this orphanage. Uh, these women are called touched and we find out that um uh, these women have been exposed to these little balls of light. Um, and um, well, the balls of light kind of rain down from the sky. Yeah, well, you come to find out it's not just women, right? Right. It's mostly women, but there are a few men that are touched as well that we've seen. And um, as you become touched by one of these balls, you develop um, some sort of a power um, uh, one woman just has the power to break things with her mind. Um, another one will, uh, cast fireballs. Um, another that one looked rad. Yes. Um, another one, uh, can sing and she sings this song that only the other touched people can hear. And it has a very calming influence on them. Um, but it also reveals them. Right. Yes. Right. And, um, Maybe not to non-touch people, but yeah, I don't think the non-touch people could see people it. People could see it, though. Yeah, yeah, they couldn't see it, and they it, couldn't hear the song, which is interesting, right? Right. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, they, was, yeah. I don't think we've seen enough to know whether. Yeah, everyone was. He said only the touch people could hear the song. Running from okay. the theater at the time, so. Yeah, although that that uh, one uh, snooty lord, uh, what's his name? mason or Maiden. uh yeah. he was frumple butts yeah he's kind of a uh, let me try again he's kind uh, of a pain in the butt but anyway he uh he kind of was there at the very end at the theater he was like the last one to leave and he was watching what was going on but it was obvious that he couldn't hear the song because he had this confused look on his face like what's going on and he saw all the other people sitting there and we could see this this stream of light energy right. going yeah. between the sing the person singing the song and all of the touch that were left just kind of dazed sitting in the audience and uh but we don't know if he could see the light and my suspicion is he couldn't because he didn't he hasn't mentioned that so far as being a way of seeing all these other touch but there's rumple buds <laughs> yeah. there he is yeah it's, it's worth noting so the the particle stuff that, that came from the sky you learn through one of the one of the main uh heroes uh her ability is to basically see things before they happen kind of um and uh through one of her um i guess i think it was her flashback but it basically showed what happened the day this this all started and some spaceship kind of came into the sky and as it flew across the town, all these particles kind of got released. Um, and and it, it cuts to different scenes of a lot of different key important characters, where they were at the time when this happened. And it mm -hmm. kind of shows that these particles kind of float into them and then they've been they've been touched. Presumably right. from there, they either knew immediately about their powers or they kind of figured it out as they went. Right. Yeah. And I found it very interesting that the this alien spacecraft, it, it was very Jules Vernish in appearance to me. Yeah, I agree right? with that. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so um, when I looked at it, it it made me think that, OK, this is not a spacecraft from another world or an alien intelligence. Maybe maybe there's somebody on the planet 
that has designed this using 18th century technology and they found a way to release this stuff um and and transform people so yeah and i don't know if that's gonna bear out um or if you know when or if we'll find out if that's the case but uh i thought that that might be an interesting uh, development if that were true so do we know if uh london is the only city where this has happened not yet we don't know that yet okay. yeah so you learn a little more on the touched in the second episode um but the the origins of where all this started is still kind of unfolding so they haven't got maybe what i think there's another episode tonight right Mm -hmm. So you may know more uh, tonight. And the other thing that was interesting was that as this um, um, spacecraft flew through the sky, um, all the Londoners looked up and, and were, you know, dumbfounded. Some fell to their knees watching it because they, you know, didn't know what they were seeing. And others were just watching it with a look of amazed astonishment on their face. Mm -hmm. And as these light balls fell on them and then, after the ship disappeared from view, everybody picked up and went about their lives as, yeah, as, as if, if nothing had happen. happened. Yeah. Yep. So that was that, very peculiar. Yeah, very peculiar. So it'll be interesting to learn more about that aspect. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, it's uh, it's very good show. Very well acted. The storyline's really good and compelling. Mm -hmm. um, I love the... Um, what was the one bad guy uh, that got in the coach to talk to him? The the beggar king. Oh yeah, yeah Nick right. Frost. Yeah, that was a good scene. Yeah, so it was. the beggar king kind of is a, uh, a, a ne'er do well kind of a, a king of uh, the baddies. I guess runs the underworld in this in this world of London, and uh, he's the one that kind of gives the tip off to the people running the orphanage about new people that are mm -hmm. touched that might need their assistance but at I'd the also same giving that info to someone else right at the same rate he may be giving that information to someone else we just don't know yet so um anyway he's uh he's one of the people that the uh, people running the orphanage have to deal with and uh, uh he was kind of a pretty funny character i, I want to see more of him um, okay. there were some well, other so. funny scenes too that happened in the, the second one you meet um, in the second episode, and I won't I won't spoil much for you, Seth. But you'll you'll meet a woman who compels you to tell the truth, basically. Oh yes, I love those characters. <laughs> um, and there's some funny moments how they wrapped around that, and then you also get a really good um, plot twist uh, in the ep in the end of the episode, and and you f start to see who who the really good people are and who the people are you really shouldn't trust anymore. So right. Um, right. there's definitely some good things that happen in episode two. They, they continue building on that storyline, uh, but it kept the humor there, really good action. Um, uh, you really get the sense of um, uh, more character building a little bit on, on the main heroes, uh, why maybe they are the way they are and, and things like that. So, um, yeah. And I do like uh, that. I do like that world they've created in the 18th century. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's uh, especially, um, yeah, I think it was the second episode that he Seth hasn't seen yet where they, they go to that party at uh, what's that woman's name. That's in the wheelchair. Uh, Lavinia. Uh, Lavinia or something Lavinia. like that. Yeah. 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 They go to her estate. So she's trying to, in a sense, humanize the touched, um, amongst the elite of London. So she's mm -hmm. the one that actually finances the running of the orphanage. 
Um, yeah. And uh, so she invites um, uh, a few of the touched over to her place to meet with um, the elite of London because there's um, there's been uh, there are a few of the touch that are baddies. Uh, Malady is the like the leader mm-hmm. of the baddies, I guess. And so she appears at a at an opera and ends up. Uh, it's an opera of Faust, and she ends up uh, slitting the throat of the actor playing the devil and causes mm-hmm. all sorts of mayhem in the theater. We kind yeah, of alluded really to that good earlier. Performance though. Yeah, yeah, really good. And uh, anyway, so this woman that's financing the orphanage, she invites some of the more um, acceptable members of the touched group to come in and just sort of you know um, show their talents now there was a part of that that bothered me in that uh, when they all get there uh, they're forced to wear ribbons to mark them as being Mm -hmm. touched and that sort of brought to mind you know uh, jews in nazi germany being forced to wear those you know, Star of David things on their, on their outfits. So, um, and there was a, um, on Netflix, they've got a bunch of different shorts you can watch that are, you know, information on some backgrounds of some of the characters. And so there was a one on this lady Lavinia or whatever that's running, uh, that's financing. HBO Max? Yes. What'd I say? Netflix. Oh yeah. Sorry. HBO Max. I was like, why would they have information on this on Netflix? Yeah, yeah. So. They're, they're trying to branch out. But anyway, um, <laughs> so it was interesting watching the short because it's the actor talking about their character and stuff. And uh, she says, yeah, she said, you know, she um, holds this politically incorrect um, event uh, as a way of showcasing Lavinia. these touched, you know. Uh, what's that? Lavinia Bidlow is that woman. Oh, that's her name. Right. And, you know, the, the other thing that's, that's interesting is that, you know, you, you see this woman in the first episode and even in the first part of episode two, and, um, you know, she's, um, all seems to be this caring person that's financing this orphanage and all this kind of stuff. But then during the party, her brother, I guess, who, um, is it her brother it, or her son? No, I think it's her brother. I it's her son. But anyway, yeah, he is attracted. Like a... He's attracted to one member of the touched yeah. lady. And, Very awkwardly uh, so. Yes. Yeah. And they start to hit it off at this party event. <clears throat> and um, after they separate, uh, Lavinia Bidlow confronts him and said, you know, um, you're not smart enough to carry on <clears throat> an illicit affair. And there is no way that we're going to have a member of the touched as a member of this family and, and have the Bidlow name. So she's, you know, very, which you know, is, she, what's that? I was going to say, which is ironic because in the first episode, we see him get like five of those little motes of light. Right. Into him. Right. Right. And, and so we find out in the second episode, of course, that he is touched because uh, we see in the first episode him also sitting in that theater that yeah. opera theater and, and he hears the music the, you know he hears the music and you see the light rays from him from coming from him. so we find out in the second episode what his power is and it's a very interesting power it's mm-hmm. very cool actually so yeah. like what what i thought what one of the things i thought was interesting from that uh, opera scene 
is just like how many members of the audience when she starts singing. Yeah. Just like how many members of the audience yeah. light up. Right. You know, indicates that the that like the power uh, touched are not rare. Right. In London, they're a, kind of a significant percentage. Right. Of the yep. population. So right. it'll be interesting to see how that unfolds because there's there's definitely some people in the crowd that that you know they haven't been talked about yet or anything like that. They were just normal people appearingly normal in, right well, people, apparently, be, you know, like people's abilities are still awakening so you've probably mm -hmm. still got a lot of the touched who are dormant and haven't presented mm -hmm. with their powers yet right <clears throat> right well and and uh that uh italian ladies powers that worked in that uh that shop i can't remember if that was in the first episode that's in the, the second second episode yeah so She's uh, working there. She's just a commoner working in this uh, uh, shop where these elite of London go to buy fancy hats or, you know, uh, costumes or like whatever. Like a department store. Yeah, right. <clears throat> and uh, so um, we end up finding out that she's a member of the Touched and what her power is. And uh, unfortunately, she has a, um, a not so good uh, uh, outcome. We find out that there's another group um i mentioned earlier i alluded to the fact that the carriage that transformed into this motor car was being chased by these baddies we and it turns out that these baddies are also trying to collect the touched uh but not for any altruistic purposes for their own evil intents to try to figure well, out how this power is is created so Talker. it looked like the baddies were like they were all like scarred and whatnot right mm -hmm. and we saw at the end of the first episode this mad scientist who was basically experimenting on them so Right. I'm guessing that they're based, they're not uh, more on that in the second episode. Right. So, You'll yeah. see more of that mad scientist in the second episode. So and hey, mad scientist, I'm in. I may not look like one anymore, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's good. Well, let's see. Uh we're getting close to our time here. I think we've got maybe just enough time to kind of talk about um that Pentagon video that got released recently showing uh some images of uh a strange pulsating sort of a cube shape that was hovering over the deck of a, of a warship um, at night. And they got some night vision footage of it. When and was it uh, from? what's that? When was the footage supposed to be from, you know, I can't tell you that I would have to look that up, but if you look uh, up, I can't tell you that I'd have to kill you. Yes. <laughs> um, you should be able to find that if you do a Google search for, uh, you know, Pentagon warship, ufo kind of a thing or maybe linda can find it while we're chatting about it but anyway um they showed that and i think they had maybe one or two other little video clips that showed some very interesting footage not easily explained away um of something that appeared to be um certainly um, technologies or craft that we do not appear to have the ability to create at this time. So, um, and um, as part of that um, release of that, and this was covered on the Today Show, um, they also had an interview with one of the guys um, at the Pentagon that uh, was releasing this, this footage. And um, he mentioned that this footage that has been publicly released is um the 
least compelling footage that they have available. So that indicates that there's stuff that they've got, uh, recordings or videos or whatever, that uh, really sort of makes this um, uh, a lot more interesting and probably uh, a lot more or would generate a lot more discussion uh, if this information was released. And, you know, I'm not really sure why they released this at this time. Yeah. Um, it's kind of interesting. Um, but they said they don't apparently don't know what it is. They can't explain it either. Um, but there's a lot of uh, a lot of discussion, of course, um, discussion boards for UFO groups and whatever are just going crazy with all of this information. So how much is it possible that we just believe we don't have the tech as the U.S. and some other country is, is sending spy ships over that we can't explain or can't identify? And, and it's not for lack of belief, just just viewing it from another angle is. You know, is it our arrogance that says we no one has that capability that you know we, right. we can't identify it? So it, I mean, by definition, it doesn't necessarily mean like alien or anything. It just sure it's it, we can't identify it. But yeah, you know, and and that kind of a, occurred to me. But there's a part of me that says if if tech like this is available, um, I would, my guess would be that at a minimum, the U.S. would know about it or have some information on it and probably be developing it themselves and wouldn't <laughs> be releasing this footage and saying, you know, well, here this is for what it's worth. We can't really explain it. It would be more classified, I think, maybe if we had the technology. Um, maybe. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. But I mean, to your point, we assume that we would, that we would know. We, I mean... I guess we, we always assume we're the smartest one in the room, right? Sure. Uh, I know. In, yeah. these, in these nations and stuff. So I, 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 I take it with a little bit of skepticism, but at the same time, you know, we've seen videos of, of things that, that, that have movements that really can't be explained, uh, especially when you see it in motion as opposed to just a photo. Sure. Um, it, it doesn't make any sense at all. But um, I mean, we're, we're basing it off of things that we know, not that we that we don't. So. Right. It's interesting. I, I, uh, uh, I mean, if you're going to release something, just release everything to me. Here's the thing right. that bothers me. The alleged photo was reportedly captured from within the cockpit of an F-A-18 fighter with jet with a pilot's personal cell phone. Now, we can't drive and talk. <laughs> <laughs> but you're telling me you can be up in the air? And, this guy's and flying an F-18 and he's on his cell phone? Well, look, <laughs> it's, it's, you know... Like, it's not like you're on a crowded interstate up there, right? <laughs> I mean, you could easily drift over the lines in the air, crash because of texting offline. They don't have other cameras, though, in the No, I think cockpit. they do have, uh, like, cameras in the cockpits that can view all the directions and stuff. Yeah. But so why are they releasing the cell phone that the guy took? Exactly. Like, know. surely they would have had other, like, high-definition, like... They probably do. Then why release the grainy one? Probably I don't know, you because know, that's what they're holding back. I don't know. Yeah. Why would like they said they, they have more compelling evidence. Maybe that's what they have. It's like what what why are they release why don't you release all the compelling evidence? Yeah, that's like, that's what I would say. I was like, like something. If you're gonna release not? anything, yeah. And this not? is the oh. least compelling. Well, 
Give us the more compelling. Like, what are you well, guys trying to tell us right now? Are you just like, nah, fun, fun? Yeah. Well, you know, uh, there there may be a reason for that 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 we don't know. Maybe maybe the more compelling footage is is uh, interesting from a. Uh, an analysis perspective and trying to figure it out. And maybe they're still trying to do that with teams and they don't want to release that to potential adversaries. Maybe they think there's some sort of intelligence value in keeping that, the details of that information secret. I just don't understand why they would have released any of it. Uh, it's not like there was some freedom yeah. of information act um, that was put out there. No, unless, unless it was to get out because somebody got the information that wasn't supposed to. They could also be beating it and releasing it from yourself as opposed to admitting that somehow someone got that information out there that wasn't supposed to. Yeah, but we're also talking about uh, we're talking about UFO footage. Like no if like someone got that particular video that wasn't supposed to have it, but they're releasing it. Like the, <laughs> and, like UFO footage gets released all the time and is faked quite a bunch of it. Right. I would be interested to know what what footage comes from other countries, military forces that has been released and stuff like that, because this I, I doubt this phenomena is something that only happens on our end of the world. Right. I'd be curious wait, to know what's wait, they just released that. a picture. <laughs> <laughs> this God. is probably what the other pictures look like. Resident alien. Right. Probably. So, well, you know, I think it might be might be interesting if we were to look into this a little bit more and see what sort of uh, footage might have been released by other militaries around the world. I, I know I've seen some um, UFO uh, documentaries, uh, you know, in quotes on um, like Netflix or whatever that talk about, you know, uh, UFOs and alien abductions, things like that, um, which is you know, entertain, entertaining, but um, there's not really a lot of compelling evidence in there, of course. Um, <clears throat> so you have to take it with a grain of salt. But um, that may lead to some information where some other militaries might have released some stuff. Maybe we can do a little research on that and see if maybe uh, there's something else out there that or some other reason for the release of this information at this time that might be interesting to discuss on our next show. Yeah, my, like, yeah. My question is, why is the only like evidence we have of this so far, uh, like these bad the, these videos, these badly right caught video? Why is this the only evidence? Why don't we have right, especially in the day of more advanced cell phone cameras? You'd think well, the number of compelling videos of UFOs would increase. Right. Well, you'd think we'd have like signals from outer space that, or from space that we could track by this point, but we're still like, from everything that like, well, and maybe, maybe that's reporting, we, it, we're looking at a dark universe at this point still. Yeah. It, it could be that, or they're not telling us what they really know. That's I mean, true. Yeah. Shocker. But like, <laughs> for me, conspiracies are very are not very convincing usually because it's the old law of uh, two people can keep a secret if one of them is dead. Right, <laughs> right, right. And so if you're talking about 400 people keeping a secret, no. If you're talking about 
4,000 people keeping a secret. No. Yeah. If you're talking about 40,000 people keeping a secret, I'm going to laugh a long right. time. And very hard. Well, and, and you know, it's that old adage that um, um, extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence yeah. kind of a thing, right? Yeah. Um, because if you you know, you look at this stuff at face value. Yeah. Um, these, the videos that were released by the, the Pentagon really hard to explain away as something else, but that doesn't mean necessarily that it is something else. So I, I firmly believe that you have to look at all of this stuff with a very high degree of skepticism. Otherwise you risk going down, you know, this never ending conspiracy rabbit hole, like a lot of these QAnon folks, right. Mm -hmm. um, or Dan Aykroyd. Yeah. So, uh, you know, but I think uh, I think it it's worthy of a discussion. It's it's interesting. And uh, maybe we can find out some more information or if um, you out there as listeners um, think you have some more information that um, you would like to share or um, you have uh, some suspicions as to what might be going on. Uh, let us know. If and, the U.S. government, and we know you're listening right now, wants to share any more information, we ask that you choose the Galactic Driftwood Podcast as your means. To <laughs> right, right. Or send us a frequency and we'll tune in and listen. We have the technology, which we got from you. <laughs> which we stole from you. And Bill's been listening anyway. <laughs> right. Hoping for an announcement. So... All right. Sounds good. Anything else we want to hit on before we wrap it? No. No, it's it's a good show. Wrap it. it was fun. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you guys. It was a great discussion. Uh, a lot of good shows to check out there. We're going to have to get going. Uh, I do want to check out Monster Hunter and the Resident Alien series. Sounds really awesome. So, and tonight again, another episode of The Nevers. So a lot of good, uh, a lot of good uh, shows out there. A lot of good entertainment going on. So thank you all for listening. And uh, tune in next week. Hopefully, maybe we'll have some more information on the UFO stuff. And no doubt there will be a, a whole river of science fiction entertainment for us to, to comment on as well. So. Yeah, like, share, subscribe. And check us out on galacticdriftwood.space. Until then, later. have a good week. See you later. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Galactic Driftwood Podcast. For more information and past episodes, please visit our website at galacticdriftwood.space or subscribe to us on YouTube. And now, please deactivate your cranial downlinks, collect your towels, and be sure to watch your step as you exit our gravity well. <laughs>